Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Let us all come close together, please. Inshallah. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala Ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim Rabbi shahli sadri wa sirli amri wa halul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli Subhanak la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana Subhanak la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana Subhanak la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana Allahumma nawur qulubna bi'ilmik wa istamil abdanana li ta'atik wa wafiqna lima tuhibu wa tarda min qawli wal amali wal niyati wal huda innak ala kulli shayin qadir اللهم ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين وجعلنا المتقين إماما اللهم ربنا اغفر لنا ذنوبنا وإسرافنا في أمننا وثبت أقدامنا وانصنع عن الكافرين آمين respected listeners beloved brothers and sisters and dear students السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته I ask Allah to shower his choices blessings upon all of us here and may he allow our coming here to become a means of our forgiveness a means of our salvation, a means of our getting our getting uh, getting our questions answered, our doubts removed, and may He make it a means of rejuvenating our faith. And may He make it a means of increase in our ma'rifa and understanding of Allah's greatness, understanding of the Quran, and in our deep reverence and love for Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And may Allah azza wa jalla allow me to share those things which would be of great greatest benefit to myself and all who are present. Whatever we hear, may Allah Azza wa Jal enable you and I to put into immediately into practice and allow us to share it with others as well. And may Allah Azza wa Jal not make what we hear a proof against us, but rather a proof for us. Ameen, Abul Alameen. We are moving on to the story of Lut alayhi salam. We covered uh, Ibrahim alayhi salam's story. Many, many verses were, were mentioned in Surah Anbiya regarding the story of, of Ibrahim alayhi salam. Alhamdulillah, we were able to cover that last week along with. Uh, uh, briefly about Nuh alayhi salatu wasalam and that those who try to plot against him Allah will destroy them moving on to the next ayah وَلُوطًا آتَيْنَاهُ حُكْمًا وَعِلْمًا وَنَجَّيْنَاهُ مِنَ الْقَرْيَةِ الَّتِي كَانَتْ تَعْمَلُ الْخَبَائِثِ إِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا قَوْمَ سَوْءٍ فَاسِقِينَ وَأَدْخَلْنَاهُ فِي رَحْمَتِنَا إِنَّهُ مِنَ الصَّالِحِينَ Allah Azza wa Jal mentions regarding Lut alayhi salatu salam وَنَجَّيْنَاهُ وَلُوطًا We've delivered him and Lut to the land which we had greatly blessed therein for all people of the world. So here begins the uh, story of Lut alayhi salatu salam. One of the things that is mentioned uh, regarding Lut alayhi salatu salam is atina hukma wa ilma. That Allah azza wa gave him knowledge and gave him wisdom. Here Allah azza wa starts off by saying, We've delivered him. And Lut salam to the land which we had greatly blessed therein for all the people of the world. So the discussion of Lut salam begins with a discussion of najat, because it's uh, yani of safety, because we're going to hear about the fact that how his nation was destroyed, and not just through one destruction, 
but through multiple layers of destruction. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what does He do? Before speaking about anything, Allah azza wa mentions the fact that He got saved. Right? To, to, to let everyone know that this is how uh, this story ends. It ends in the fact that Lut was saved from what, he was, what his nation was put through due to their sins. Uh, many of the other verses of the Quran mention this, um, these various types of punishments that Lut nation went through. And we notice that the Quran mentions punishments that that nation went through more than other nations. And possibly it is because of the actions that they did, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hated. Some ulama have mentioned that shirk was very common, right, between all these nations. Uh, polytheism and fa- doing, uh, ascribing partners with Allah azza wa jal. But we know what Lut salam's nation did was something beyond that. And so that wa- that's why it was treated differently. فَجَعَلْنَا عَالِيَهَا سَافِلَهَا وَأَمْطَرْنَا عَلِيهِمْ حِجَارَةً مِنْ سِجِّيلٍ مَنْضُودٍ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that we, may, we flipped the entire town of Sodom. عَالِيَهَا سَافِلَهَا We flipped it up and وَأَمْطَرْنَا عَلِيهِمْ حِجَارَةً It was as though, يعني, according to some narrations, an angel just took his wing of one of the angels and lifted up the entire town. That the screaming and, uh, and the, 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 of the sound of the animals as well as the people could be heard in the heavens. All the way up and then brought it all down, crashing. And after that, Allah sent down a rain uh, of stones. And these stones, musawwama, they had each, they were targeted. You have laser targeted bombs, laser guided. Well, imagine this is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every single person's name was mentioned there. Every single person's name is mentioned there of where this is headed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's punishment is not waiting far away from the oppressors. So when the oppressors do things of this sort, Allah Azza wa says that the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very near. So the multiple types of uh, punishments were sent upon the nation of Lut. Allah mentioned Surah Tahrim regarding the wife of Lut. And he says, uh, Allah gives the example of the wife of Lut and the wife of Nuh who were disbelievers. Both of these women were in the marriage of two righteous servants of ours. But they both uh, did not fulfill the trust of their husbands. They uh, went against, they broke the trust. This is a really important point. Allah says, both of them, both husbands who are our chosen servants, Prophet Nuh, Prophet Lut, they were not able to help their wives in the least. Even though they are a prophet of Allah, and they're doing the work for you know, Nuh alayhi salam, 950 years. So much work. You know, in the dunya, it's different, right? In dunya, you can get things pulled. When you, when you become a certain, when you become senior, then you're allowed to do things. And you're allowed to kind of 
bring in your friends and get stuff done get you know uh, find loopholes they find create loopholes for yourself or you create it yourself or someone creates it for you but a lot of things can happen under the rug but with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there's no such thing as someone has reached such level of seniority that uh, you know you're allowed to break the rules because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's commitment is with sifat with attributes uh, if a person has attributes, good attributes, then he could be. That's the next ayah. The Fir'aun's wife. Fir'aun being such a, uh, a big enemy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But Allah chose to give hidayah to his wife. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions how her last uh, stages of her life were in her last minutes. رَبِّبْنِ لِي عَنْدَكَ بَيْتًا فِي الْجَنَّةِ Oh Allah, please build for me a palace uh, in, uh, next to you. Yani in, in, your, uh, in your highest levels of paradise. Oh Allah, allow me to have a home there. Allah save me from Fir'aun and all his atrocities. And save me from the actions of the oppressive people. So here you have an example of someone who had sifat, amazing sifat and attributes. So her being married to Fir'aun and being in the house of Fir'aun did not stop her from reaching the highest possible award you know, given at that time. And then the flip side of it, you have someone who has the very best possible husband, very best possible environment, but because their own actions are weak, their husbands are not able to assist them and help them. مَنْ عَمَلُهُ لَمْ Whosoever's actions slow him down, his lineage will not be able to speed him up. Whosoever's actions slow him down, his lineage will not be able to speed him up. And once Rasulullah said to Fatima radiallahu anha, said, Oh Fatima, that you are uh, my daughter. But remember that I, I will not be able to save you and be a benefit to you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, in the least. I will not be able to save you from any punishment from Allah or I'll not be able to be of any benefit to you. Some ulama say that this was a statement that Rasulullah said. Before he was informed that much later in life that Fatima will be the leader of the women of Jannah. Right? So, uh, this was the earlier occasion when Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in Makkah, early days, he mentioned this to his daughter. Um, but Sifat, one, as you have heard the famous incident where uh, the, the, one of the Jewish uh, the, uh, members of the tribe, um, the Jewish tribes, was caught female was caught stealing. So then they said that, you know, how is it we are of high class people? If we, if we look at the, our Torah, it is asking for, uh, you know, the hand to be cut. And we, don't, we cannot face the people to say that, how are they going to say that someone from such high class society, if amongst the Jewish tribe, she ended up stealing and her, this is the punishment that she had to face. How are we going to show face to people? So let's go and try to go find what Islam has to say. Let's do some fatwa shopping. From, but fatwa shopping between religions. Right? And like you see the fatwa shopping today, all the time. So fatwa shopping between religions, let's go see what happens over there. And so they went and uh, they asked, Zayd radiallahu anhu, you know, <clears throat> goes, uh, first of all, they figured out what they need to say. Let's go ask Rasulullah. So he said, What is that? Go bring your book. Bring your book. What does your book have to say? So at that time, and the one who was presenting the book to uh, the Sahabi, he presented in a manner, in a, such a way that he was covering what, what was written there, the section that says the hand needs to be cut. So Abdullah bin Salam, if I'm not mistaken, who was a convert, 
Uh, he was a Sahabi, great Sahabi, but who was previously a scholar of the Torah. It was, a, it was a previously uh, from uh, a Yehudi. He said, "Tell him to move his hand. Tell him to move his hand. That what needs to be what he's asking about is written there." So then he asked him to remove the hand And sure enough that's what it was written there that, that this is the judgment The hand needs to be cut So then they said Okay please please You know this is not acceptable to our noblemen What are we going to say Can you please find an alternative for us So at that time Rasulullah sallallahu uh, You know mentioned That you're speaking about uh, This person this lady here If billah, Even if Fatima the daughter of Muhammad sallallahu Were to be caught stealing The rule would not change Right? Even if Fatima, the daughter of Muhammad were to be caught stealing, then we would make sure that justice would be met. Right? I remember our Ustad Mashabir Sahib, whenever he would read this hadith, uh, he would always say, Ad ma'ad Allah. In the hadith, it says, if Bint Muhammad, Fatima bint Muhammad were to cut, and he would always say, Ad ma'ad Allah, read ma'ad Allah. Yani, uh, we seek refuge in Allah from anything of that sort ever even you know, considered to be happening. Nonetheless, so we're talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, con- connection is with sifat and, 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 and his loyalty is with sifat. When those attributes come into a person, regardless of who they are, inshallah they'll be saved. And when those attributes are not found, then regardless of who that person is, then they may be liable for punishment. So Lut alayhi salam's nation, they did, along with shirk, they did fuhsh. And, and indecency is something that is just hated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, there are many hadith that speak about this topic how Allah azza wa jal dislikes uh, harshness in the tongue dislikes lewdness dislikes lewd talk uh, and things of that sort Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran wala taqrabu zina don't even come close to zina innahu kana fahisha this is an act of indecency sabila a horrible wrong path to go down and then Allah Azza wa says another place, Leave out the external sin, the obvious sin, وَبَاطِنَا And leave out the internal sin. Because a lot of sins that we have today is of the batin. So, uh, this issue of Lut salam's nation, what they did, that's mentioned there, and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala destroyed that, we're seeing this is going back to Jahiliyat al-Ula right now. We're going back to the world, going back to where it started off from, in many of those things. Shirk is... Is, is, is now increasing all over. You see, uh, the mushrikeen are spreading all over the world. Their influence is spreading. Uh, their places of worship are spreading. And uh, the power is being consolidated with them. So shirk is coming back all over the globe. And you'll see also these horrendous acts of the nation of Lut salam is now becoming uh, slowly the new norm. And if it's ajeeb that if we don't keep on uh, mentioning the obvious that this is haram and that this is not allowed and this is unnatural then beloved friends we may seriously we're the last people the last group Muslims have an ability to speak on this topic otherwise everyone else is pretty much caved in you'll see that now it's a big night elections are going on but uh, you'll see that previously Certain parties were very vocal on this topic Now you'll see both parties are absolutely silent Because they know you have no chance Of winning any election Anywhere If you speak against this uh, Sin That's how it is So they've came, Because why? There's no usul Remember we talked about the hadith last week Don't be wishy-washy Don't go with the flow Don't just go with the tides That is what today's politics is 
Everyone goes with the tides. Whatever is acceptable, whatever is murawaj, raij, whatever is uh, you know, popular, you ride on that because you have to get somewhere. But as a believer, that's not what we are. We, ha- we are people of principles. That's what we're saying. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stands with principles. Allah's loyalty is with principles. Allah rewards principles, not people. Whoever they are. Ibn Taymiyyah rahmatullahi, if I'm not mistaken, has said that if a non-Muslim, if a non-Muslim nation or non-Muslim leader, kafir, were to be just, just, adil, then Allah will give them victory over others. Even they're non-Muslim. But if in this world, if they remain just, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow their rule and their reign to continue. And people who may be Muslim, I'm adding this part, people who may be Muslim but are not just, they may actually end up not having Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's support at all. And Allah may give that group of people who are non-Muslim but who are just victory over unjust Muslims. So that the aspect of Iman and Kufr, yeah, will be sorted out in Akhirah. At the time of death, all this stuff will be sorted out. True. But there are certain principles that we have to stand by. And one of them is justice. One of them is leading a life that is based and rooted in the Sharia. What morality, what is morally upright, what is morally unacceptable. You will see how things have shifted in the past 30, 40 years. I say this again and again because we're the only ones speaking about this. Everyone else outside are not speaking about this. If we as Muslims don't keep on speaking about it regularly, then unfortunately we will very soon also have due to pressure, societal pressure, lose even a larger number of our community to this fitna. We have we lost many? Yes we have. Definitely we have. But it's 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 still salvageable to a certain extent if we keep on addressing this in our circles and keep on speaking about it that no this is not an acceptable lifestyle this is not an acceptable way of living this is haram if a person has these type of tendencies that is between him and Allah and that's a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a person needs to subdue that to the best of his ability but a person cannot act upon that and think that it is absolutely permissible a person cannot and should never popularize his or her sin his or her uh, temptation we talked about, I just recently saw a debate, subhanAllah, and it's like, we, there's no debates about this anymore, right? No debates. This is an old uh, clip that surfaced from 10 years ago or 15 years ago, when they were actually, this was a debatable issue. Now it's no longer debates. You'll never hear a debate on this. But the person was saying, this is unnatural. He said, okay, if you had this, if you, if you have this, uh, if you're saying you have this type of feeling, do you have parents and grandparents? And said, yes. So, well, if your parents and grandparents were like this, you wouldn't be here. You would not exist. If the world, if this is natural, they keep on saying this is a natural, natural way. If it was natural, half of the room shouldn't be here. The, especially the people who are speaking like this should not be around. Because the, the interviewer said, uh, for reproduction and for, for uh, you know, this just makes no sense. So the answer they gave was, well, there's more than one way to have children. You know, nowadays you have all sorts of different methods. Well, that method, was that found 60 years ago, 70 years ago, 80 years ago? Of course not. Let's think about how something so unnatural, uh, which goes against tanasul, against the idea of, 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 of uh, you know, children being born and coming into this world, goes against that. If the world is the way it is right now, 23-24% or whatever they're saying there is, were to be like that, our population should have really been much less than where it is today. So something which is so unnatural and uh, against uh, a human fitrah, Subhanallah has become so accepted that if you try to be natural, you're being called uh, unnatural. So, so the, the response about being unnatural was, uh, 
How is it unnatural? I have a desire, so that's natural. You see, this was the answer. So this is another problem. Every desire of yours is not natural. No. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Do you not see that we sent down the shayateen upon them? Instigate them. The shayateen instigate the disbelievers to do all sorts of stuff. Whoever turns away from the remembrance of Allah, we appoint a shaitan with him to be his partner. So these wasawis, these evil things are happening. Why? Because a person left the dhikr of Allah. A person left the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he walked away from Hezbollah to Hezbollah shaitan. And as soon as you become like that, then of course everything starts changing. Like a person who sells his soul to the shaitan or to do commit black magic, etc. What everything changes. What the person does, what the person eats, what the person does, how the person dresses. No longer tahara and hygiene. Being hygiene is something uh, commendable, but rather being dirty and filthy. That's what they. That's what they desire. Everything changes. So today, when everything is being presented natural, and we have to respond by saying, "No, this is not natural." Any type of desire that you and I get cannot be called natural. We have a whole phenomenon called shaitan and nafs. We have to recognize that. What is natural? What is fitrah? What the Quran and Hadith say is fitrah. Anything that goes against that Quran and Hadith, then this is against nature. What should we do? That's a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we need to put our foot down on it and remain steadfast. So Lut salam's story should probably be discussed a lot more. And the various types of punishments that his nation uh, were put through should be discussed um, you know, in, in, in circles. So that we keep on hitting this again and again daily from right, from left, from front, from center. Inshallah, hopefully it will become a means of giving strength to us. Um, I, I came across a very nice ayah the other day. Someone, someone had a picture. said, to protect yourself from the fitna of this LGBTQ, what, what dua should you read? This was the, the ayat of this is a dua of Lut alayhi salam. Rabbi Najini, which get that Rabbi Najini Wahli Rabbi, oh my Lord, Najini, save me, wa ahli and my family, Mimma Amalun from what they're doing. Rabbi Najini Wahli Mimma Amalun. Oh Allah save me and my family from what they're doing. So he made that dua. She said, This is now the time we should all be, <coughs> we should all be making this dua. Because Parents are just unbelievably shocked that how did my child end up going on that side? Where is this coming from? It's like, a, it's like this, it's a virus that is just spreading like wildfire and we don't even know where it's coming from. And what right now, we should understand that it's coming from our, our textbooks, it's coming from the storybooks, it's coming from the cartoon characters, it's coming from uh, games, it's coming from video games, it's coming from all the uh, Disney and all these you know, things what we thought would be very innocent for the children. Every single thing has this agenda completely. Uh, yani, no one's even ashamed, no one's trying to even hide it anymore. It's a very, very obvious, clear agenda that any and all uh, social media, textbooks, storybooks, novels, bedtime stories, everything has this agenda in there. What are you going to do? Seriously, what are we going to do? It's, ask yourself. Someone told me, Shaykh, how do we f- protect ourselves from this fitna? And how do, and he said, how do you challenge this fitna? I said, you can't challenge it. You can't challenge a volcano. You cannot challenge an earthquake. You run. You run. So I, I think right now, it's just, it's just duck your head and run. That's what it is. You can't sit there and say, I'm going to take this monster on. It's overcome. It's taken the whole world over. We need to try to just grab your kids, grab, grab your family, try your beg Allah, Azawari, Allah save me and my children, and, and, and do whatever you can. Because you can't say, I'm going to protect them from this and that. 
you can protect them from public school, fine. You protect them from this, but you can't run away from this agenda. It's everywhere. You know, they haven't left Skittles, they haven't left ice cream, they haven't left umbrellas, they haven't left clothes, they haven't left food. Every single thing, that agenda is there. Wherever you go, it's just right in your face. That's what's happening. So, by us not addressing this and not speaking about it as parents, we have to do La ilaha illallah. What is the part of it? What's la ilaha? You gotta make nafi first. In order for illallah to come, you have to first make nafi. In order for Islamic morals to come, we also have to make nafi of all other lifestyles. You know what I'm saying? You have to make nafi. We usually don't like to do that, but now we must stand up and do nahi anil munkar wherever we can. Nahi anil munkar, prohibition from evil. If you can't do it on the streets, at least we need to do it in our homes. We need to do it in our gatherings. Repeatedly, we cannot shy away from this. Because we have shied, shied away from everything else. Shied away from prohibiting people from listening to music, and open dancing, and mixing of, 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 of genders, in parties, in masjids, everywhere else. Everything else, we've just kind of like, okay, choro, yaar, choro. Leave it, leave it. They come into the masjid at least. However they're coming. So because of us not addressing these issues properly with hikmah and wisdom, not constantly saying, this is not allowed, this is not allowed, what has happened? We've lost the battle in all these things. But if we do the same thing on this issue, I'm telling you, we're going to lose the battle completely on this. Just like all the other communities have lost it, Christians and Jews, Buddhists, this, that, everyone's lost it. Hindus, like, you know, India, we never think it would be such a conservative society. But they've lost it too. Everywhere, subhanAllah, in Pakistan, now it's, it's also, you know, taking some root there. Uh, we cannot do that. We cannot say, let's, let's give a turn a blind eye and focus on the big issues. We must prohibit our communities from this sin and I ask you all to, to don't leave this as the job of the imams. You need to, we all need to equip ourselves and do the best we can. Talk about it to our children at home. Constantly remind them to you, we gotta be firm. And speak about it. How about that? Like each, each son and daughter of the ummah, sixth graders, seventh graders, eighth graders, should be able to confidently take their stand. If someone challenges them, they should be able to answer that. I seriously think that. This is one issue that every single junior high student, and high, of course high school and college as well, should be able to have an ability to defend their belief strongly. We are not here attacking anyone. We're not telling people to change or anything. Lakum dinukum waliyadin. But at least waliyadin. I have my deen. Please stop playing with my deen. Why are you forcing your agenda down my throat? I'm not telling you to convert to Islam, nor am I convert anything. But at least let me keep my deen. This is the problem we have. So make inniyah, inshallah, that we'll educate our children. Every one of us, as fathers and mothers who are listening, please. Make sure your, your sons and daughters are, can confidently defend and present the Islamic stance on this issue. And <clears throat> they will be asked in school, so, uh, so they need to be able to uh, you know, be firm on this. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give, us, give myself and all of us here tawfiq. Yes. Huh? Yeah. Okay. So that ayah is Shu'ara, Surah Al-Shu'ara 169. Rabbi Najini Wahli Mimayamanun. Right? Surah Shara. Wahabinalahu Ishaq wa Yaquba. Moreover, we've granted um, him Ishaq and from Ishaq, Yaquba alayhi salam. Nafila as an additional gift. And all of them were made righteous. Wajallahum aimmatain. وَجَعَلْنَاهُمْ أَئِمَّةً يَهْدُونَ بِأَمْرِنَا And we made them exemplary uh, leaders. 
guiding to faith by our command. Yahduna. What, would, what, did these, uh, im, what did these prophets do? The prophets were all a'imma. They were all leaders. And they guided their nations by the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, hidayah is of two types. One hidayah is what we call ira'atul tariq in Arabic. And the other one is isar al-matloob. Ira'atul tariq is to show the path. Isar al-matloob is to take them to the actual place. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to Rasulullah ahbabta, You cannot guide whoever you wish. What does that mean? It means you cannot grab someone's head and take him into Jannah. Isar al-matloob. But then, the, the prophets were guides. What kind of guidance is that? Show them the path. So someone asks you, where are the wudu, where's the wudu area? You say, it's over there. That's called tariq, showing them. Another way is that a new person is there, an elderly person, you hold his hand and guide him to the wudu area. So the prophets, their job was to simply show the path and not to, they, ha, they actually not, were not even capable of taking someone right in. And that is why you see the stories of these prophets whose wives were not guided, whose children were not guided. And so for us as the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, our job is also to do uh, present to our sons and daughters and to the community and to non-Muslims and everyone else. Present the best of your ability and then make dua for hidayah. So these people, these prophets, they were guiding them. وَأَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْهِمْ And then we revealed to them our commandments. فِعَلَ الْخَيْرَاتِ uh, What were their commandments? To do good job, to do good works. وَإِقَامَ الصَّلَاةِ And establish salah. وَإِتَاءَ الزَّكَاةِ And to give zakah. وَكَانُوا لَنَا عَابِدِينَ all of these prophets, they used to worship us alone. They used to worship us alone. The next ayah, And Lut salam as well, we gave prophetic wisdom. So we have seen here, two things have been mentioned, hikmah and ilm. And what is the difference between this? Some have said, Hikmah is the ability, the, the nubuwa, prophethood. Al-hukm is referring to prophethood. And ilma is referring to the commands of the sharia. Allah gave each prophet prophethood. And Allah gave them the ability to navigate through issues of the community regard, in light of the sharia. Some have said, hukman means an yada'u kulla shay. That you place everything in its appropriate spot. That is what hikmah is. And the prophets had the ability to do that. As the Quran says, Whoever has been given wisdom has been indeed given a great khair. Much kathiran, much greatness. So one of the greatest things Allah in the Quran is saying that you can get as a gift is to get wisdom. It's not just knowledge, but how to use that knowledge. Uh, with wisdom, a person is able to gain, become wealthy. With wisdom, a person is able to uh, get, uh, get married to a righteous person. With wisdom, a person is able to attain power. And without wisdom, a person may lose his marriage, may lose his position, may lose his wealth. So this is something we need to ask Allah Azza wa Jal for. That Ya Allah, grant me ilm also and grant me hikmah as well. Right When a person How do you get hikmah? Hikmah through learning from the mistakes of others Staying in the company of those who are, have wisdom 
And then hikmah also is ladunni, comes from Allah. So when a person does mujahada, a person does sacrifice for extended periods of time, he deprives his soul, his nafs from fulfilling every desire of it. Of it. And follows the sunnah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will open up like springs of wisdom from his tongue. That whenever he speaks, it will be filled with wisdom. And you see that with our elders and our scholars, that their speech may be very short, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 10 minutes, or for a long question that a person writes, one line answer. If you look at the maktubat, uh, the letters of our elders that alhamdulillah have been saved and have been published, you know, various letters, whether it's one of our shaitani rahmatullahi, or whether it's one of the rahmatullahi, etc. Many times you'll see that a person pours out his heart, says, I got this problem, got this problem, got this problem. And then the response would just be like three lines. But those who understand the depth of those three lines, they will able to appreciate and gain benefit from those three lines more than you can get from a whole book. Because those three lines are filled with wisdom. And they weren't just any three lines. There was no fluff in there. Those three lines are filled with wisdom based on the need of the person who is asking that question. So this comes through a lot of mujahada. A lot of mujahada, sacrifice, punishing the nafs, not giving in to what the nafs is asking, uh, adherence to the sunnah. Then inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give us that wisdom as well. I pray that He gives all of us that wisdom. Uh, when that wisdom comes in, then we can be excellent fathers. We can be excellent husbands. We can be excellent teachers. We can be excellent mothers, excellent wives when we have wisdom. And when wisdom is missing, then everything gets ruined. No matter how much wealth, and no matter how much intelligence a person has, the lack of wisdom messes up everything. And of course, wisdom comes through age as well. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave these both blessings to Lut alayhi salatu wasalam and the uh, uh, other prophets as well. One of the things we learn from these stories of the Prophets and Surah Al-Anbiya is that all of them were human beings. That they were protected from sin, but they were not gods. So they were protected from making a mistake in propagating the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, they were still human beings who went through human emotions. So when we feel overwhelmed or we feel stressed from life, Alhamdulillah, we can look at the prophets. And we see that the prophets also became stressed. And the prophets also at times became overwhelmed. I mean, Rabbi inni maghlubun fantasir. Oh Allah, I'm overwhelmed. Oh Allah, I'm overwhelmed. So please come to my assistance. They were shaken to their core. So many problems, so many tests, they were shaken to their core. Until the Prophet was forced to say, and the believers, When is the help of Allah coming? When is it going to come? Allah responded, listen, indeed the help of Allah is near. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the Prophet Indeed we know that your heart becomes constricted. You feel overwhelmed, you feel tight in your chest. Because of the continuous insults of these disbelievers. So when people insult you, when people at work or in at home, wherever they may be, say harsh and evil things for us to feel 
sad or burdened or overwhelmed is not unbecoming of a Muslim. That is a natural response. This is amazing, isn't it? That you can find even in this beautiful solace in the stories of the Prophets. And that's what Allah is telling Rasulullah The reason I'm giving you these stories of these Prophets, the reason I'm sharing these Prophet stories is to give you firmness, to make you strong in your resolve so that you don't think that you're the only one who's suffering. Indeed, the Prophets prior to you also were mocked at. They were, also, they were made fun of. So you're not the only one who's suffering. So the Anbiya test that we are reading in this surah should give comfort to all of us who are going through various challenges. Because I know we all are going through so many different things. And then you ask yourself, when is this going to end? When, when, how long is this going to happen? Uh, that I'm going to, you know, I read this dua, I did the dhikr, I did this istighfar, but the problems don't go and see no way. But there's many, many, many of the prophets, thousands of the prophets, the chosen ones, were killed, as Nabi ﷺ explained. And the Quran says that many of the, of the Bani Israel killed off the prophets. Some of them were uh, cut in half. Some of them were, you know, split in half. Some of them were crushed. Some of them were killed through other means. They were the Anbiya. They were, they were receiving revelation. Yet Allah allowed them to get killed. Just think about that. Allah allowed them to get killed at the hands of their nation. They became shaheed. So if Allah is allowing that to happen, then uh, you and I going through some sort of physical or emotional or mental or spiritual or financial pain or difficulty, that's not the end of the world. This is how the world works. And that's, that's just, let's learn, the, let's accept. This is how the world works. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts us through tests and it's about the sabr that we, are, we have, inshallah, that will make us stay ahead. We ask Allah for afiyah, we ask Allah for well-being, but at the same time we have to be ready with whatever comes our way. Nabi said in hadith, Man Whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intends good with someone, He understands, He gives him a deep understanding of deen. This is what you call your wisdom. That being able to uh, have a deep understanding of deen is a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And remember, beginning a deep understanding of deen is not only graduating from a nine-year, ten-year iftah and alim program. That's there too. But if a person gets a... Sometimes a person doesn't study in a, in a, in a seminary. However, because of his relationship with Allah, he's staying away from sin, ittiba'u sunnah, what happens, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as we say in Urdu, deen ki samach. Deen ki samach. The understanding of deen. Like you know how you say, bada samajdar This is a very un, uh, smart and intelligent young boy that you have. What does that mean samajdar? That he's not just book smart. He knows when and where he should speak. He understands what his dad wants, what his mom wants. He understands what will make him upset, what will make them happy. And he treads that accordingly. That's what you call samajdar, waladun rashid, right? He's rashid, he's intelligent, he understands the situation. Situational, situationally, he positions himself in a manner that he's always doing well based on the circumstances. That's faqaha in one sense. That a person understands, what does my Allah want from me now? When we were, um, interesting story, uh, uh, one of the ulama in Medina was sharing with us, 
that uh, you know he as, I heard it from him. He said there was an, a youngster, uh, you know, in his early 30s, young man, late th- late 20s, early 30s. <clears throat> he in Austria. He uh, uh, happened to be passing by a brother, who, a Pakistani brother, whose bike was broken and was fixing it. So he decided to stop and help him. So when he, after he fixed his bike, this Pakistani brother gave him dawat, took his phone number, gave, started giving him dawat towards Islam. So at that time, he didn't accept Islam. Then he took his phone number and repeatedly he would call him and give him dawah. But apparently his method of dawah was a little bit too harsh, too demanding. So he was turned off from that and didn't accept Islam. When COVID came, he re- and there was a huge lockdown in the city, he said, I'm not going to stay cooped up in my house like this, I'm going to go into the mountains. Let me go enjoy nature. Packed up and went out for, you know, living a life out there in nature for many months. And in the process of that, he's, he, he was alone there, apparently very beautiful mountain range is there. He began filming and video, you know, just recording nature. And as he did that, as you can imagine, someone who's alone in nature, he'll become attracted to the creator of this nature. Nature is so beautiful. And when you focus on that, you start thinking, who made all this? Right? SubhanAllah. When you come home and you naturally just think about it. If you have like a beautiful spread of dinner, four or five items, and you got the candle there, you got flowers there. Naturally what happens, your heart wonders who prepared this. And if you know it's your spouse has done it, your mother's done it, your daughter's done it, obviously your heart will be filled with love for them. That SubhanAllah. Before I'm gonna sit there and start enjoying this, let me go and appreciate them. That's natural. You wouldn't go sit there and eat up everything and then go say, hey, thank you for cooking, right? Um, that's why they say that, you know, um, uh, that uh, understand, um, get to know the get to know the mun'im through the ni'mah and, in, and, and thank the mun'im before, the, before enjoying the ni'mah the purpose of the ni'mah is to get you to the mun'im mun'im is the one who gave you the blessing it's like uh, it's like uh, it's alamat, signs that have been you know, leading, imagine someone puts pieces of chocolate to the door <laughs> you want to go see what's behind the door you don't just sit there and eat the chocolates and go home. <laughs> right? You're supposed to go somewhere. Where's this thing? Why are these gifts with my name? You know, one after another. Where's it headed? Who put it here? That's a blessing. That the, before we sit and, and chow up and eat up all the blessings, we need to focus on the munhim, the one who's given us these blessings. So he got attracted to the creator of this nature. Then what happened? He became very ill. And some, some disease took over, took over that he couldn't swallow anything. And uh, he was extremely sick. And in this state, this Pakistani brother called him. I haven't seen you for so long. Where have you been? He said, you yeah, know, I'm in here out there in the mountains. And guess what? You know, I might not even make it. I'm so sick. And I'm alone here. So he said, I'm going to come see you. Wherever that was. However many hours and days it took him. He went there. And then he went. As soon as he met him, he said, see, I told you to accept Islam. If you didn't accept Islam, you wouldn't be in this situation. Told him the same thing, Subhanallah. But now the person was was in was uh, really desperate, so he actually just said the shahada, kalima shahada, and in a matter of a, a small amount of time, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala seriously gave him shifa, and right there he was able to start eating and drinking once again. So when he got that answer, he said, "Okay, this is something weird. This has got to be something." You know, he he says that I wanted to, however accept Islam out of my own willingness. I don't want to get forced into it. Right now I got forced into it because I was about to die. So I want to study it myself. So he began to study. He got translations of Quran, read the whole Quran. Then subhanAllah he started reading hadith. And he started reading hadith after hadith while he's sitting there in the, you know, 
in the mountains, I guess so. Eventually, he came across a hadith that that indeed the iman will um, wrap up and come back and iman will um, recoil up and go back to Medina the way a snake coils up and goes back into its hole Okay? Meaning, the real stuff will be left in Medina Eventually, towards the very end of times So he said, what am I doing over here? I need to move So he got a bicycle And he said, let me start traveling towards Medina And as he was going, two, two three days in Apparently he met an Afghani, Afghani brother And he said, oh what is this? He said, oh mashallah, very good, but guess what man yeah, I came here walking from Afghanistan so you know, people have done even greater things than being on a bike. Just letting you know that. He was amazed at that story. It just so happened his bike got stolen. So then he said, "Okay, I guess Allah willed this way." So he started walking, 40 kilometers a day, and he went through seven countries until he got to Turkey. And then he's like, "Okay, I can't go through Syria because there's, too, uh, you know, too many things things going on there." So some some people chipped in and got him a flight to Jordan. When he got to Jordan. Uh, he ended up meeting the brothers of Da'wah and Tabligh And they welcomed him, took him to the markas And this and that After that they said, okay, you know what, we'll get you a flight to Jeddah And got him a flight to Jeddah He arrives there Performs Umrah Some of the Egyptian brothers living there uh, Welcomed him And then they brought him to Medina So now Mufti Sahib who was sharing the story with me Was telling me, he said this person has accepted Islam Less than two years ago And he has read a vast majority of like the Siha Sitta, the six books He's read through the translation Read through the translation of the Qur'an And he said, if you look at him He said, I'm amazed, I'm amazed This word that came up right? The faham of deen, the level of depth of understanding What does Allah want from me? And to have those sifat that Allah wants He said, that's what's just so amazing So he's been now living in Medina for the past 10 months so he said, people ask him, what, what about your job? He says, Allah will take care of it. Brother, you've overstayed your visa. What's going to happen about us? Allah will take care of it. What if you end up going to jail because you overstayed your visa? Allah will take care of it. Allah knows best. He said, that's his answer. Straight up. SubhanAllah, I, I was like, I have to meet him. But I, was, I didn't get a chance to sit down and speak with him, but I was able to meet him. Yani, shake hands with him in Madinah Munawwara. Briefly, mashallah, beautiful, handsome uh, brother wearing his turban and wears, you know, it looks so much nur on his face. May Allah preserve and protect him. But idea was just, it was an amazing story of how faqaha and understanding of deen does not require you to be a born Muslim, doesn't require for you to go graduate from 10, 12 years of, uh, of some course. If a person, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if he wants to be good to you, he gives you click, gives you the understanding of deen. Even though you, have, you might not even picked up the Qur'an before, but you just say, this is right, this is wrong, this is right, this is wrong, this makes sense, this doesn't make sense. Because there are so many people who read everything, or not everything, but who read for years, and they're being misguided, they're being misled, they, 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 they start misunderstanding the text that they memorized, they start misrepresenting the sharia. What happens? Because there's no faqaha there. Right? That's the scary part. As Allah says in the Quran, There are certain people, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows them to go astray even though He has given them knowledge. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts a seal. On his heart. On his ears. And there's a veil over their eyes. These are people of knowledge. 
People of knowledge, they have veils over their eyes. They just can't seem to understand the very obvious. Who can guide him after they have been misled? Who can guide them after they have been allowed to be misled? When Allah has allowed someone to be misled, no power in the world can guide them. No ustad of any madrasa, no ustad, no sheikh, not their own teachers, not their books. No one can guide them if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows someone to be misguided. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect you and I from falling into this category of people who, be, who are misguided even though we have knowledge. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant you and I faqaha and faham of deen where we are from amongst those people who simply get it. That's what it is right now. I feel like the way things are going, it's not about knowledge. It's about it just clicking. It has to click. Once it clicks, you don't need to know much. You say, I got it. One line is sufficient answer. One line is sufficient answer. This is what the, the era we're living in. There's so much confusion. And filth has, like, this, like the, you know, the smartphone issue that I speak about. I spoke, I was in, over, in another state this past weekend. I was mentioning it over there too. And I said, you know, from a crowd of 100 here, I think maybe one of you will understand. Maybe. You know, I'm going to be happy. But it's one of those things where you just got to put your trust that you know what, this, what, what we're hearing about it is right. This is filthy. This is a destroying our family. We're going to have to take a strong stance for the protection of our community, for the protection of our kids, that we cannot allow unfettered access to this stuff at home. I don't, but what about the rest of the world? Who cares? We cannot save the rest of the world. Let's be honest. We cannot save the rest of the world. We have to, number one, save yourself. And save your family. During the time of Isa salam. When the Jal will come, and after that Yajuj will come, Yajuj Majuj, they will they will spread kufr and kill everyone alive, any believers. The only Muslims will be remaining will be Isa salam and a small group of people that will be hiding on top of a mountain. That's it. The rest of the entire world will all the believers will be dead, and there'll be only kufar. That time is gonna come. Yeah, alhamdulillah, after that also, then Yajuj Majuj will die overnight after causing unbelievable corruption. And Allah will then remove their bodies from their corpses from the earth. And then barakah will come. That's like the final stages of barakah in, in, this, in the life of this earth. That uh, immense blessings will come. And then after Isa dies, then game over, right? Everything's just gonna fall apart. But this point is, you know, when we're always looking at other people, what are other people saying? You're telling me yeah, you're too strict. You're being too you know, narrow-minded. No one else is gonna... Who, who's speaking like this? Who says that this makes sense to protect our kids from cell phone and internet? No one else is doing that. It doesn't make sense. Who cares about everyone else? If it makes sense to you, do it. And, maybe, and then make dua for the other people. So right now, I think it's, that's what it is. It's just, it's gotta make sense to us. So I pray to Allah that He allows the truth to be sensible to you and I. That makes, you know, it's for us to fall into place. When at Jaina, I said... The whole Lut story started off with the, today's dars started off with Najjana. We saved him. Look at because it, it was so bad just to think that Lut got destroyed. No, Lut got saved. That's how the ayah started. Now again, when Najjana, we saved him. We delivered him. Min al Qariya from that town. What, did, what that town used to do? Shirk? Shirk was there, but that's not what's being mentioned here. What the focus of the reason that Allah destroyed them so many times, again and again and again and again? Because they used to be doing vile deeds. Khaba'ith, khabith, something evil, something filthy. Right? That's what they used to do. Innahum kanu qawma so infasiqeen. Indeed, they were a sinful nation. Wa adkhanna fi rahmatina 
Indeed, they were. Uh, no, this, this translation from the last slide. Thus, we did admit him into our mercy. Indeed, he was ever. He was. He was ever of the righteous. Salih. Salih doesn't just mean are they pious? Oh, Nabi, Nabi was just pious. Pious man, you're pious. I'm pious. No, Salih. Mufti Mufti We translate this. Is a Salih means al muntafiu bi amalihi. The one who benefits from his actions is called Salih. Who benefits from his actions. So yes, Salih, you can be and you can be and a Nabi can be. But the difference between a Nabi being Salih and you and I being Salih is completely different. Because a Nabi's actions are far, 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 far superior than ours. Their yaqeen and iman is far superior than ours. So they're hence their level of benefiting from their piety far supersedes your benefit and my benefit from our actions because our actions are, are obviously less than that. So we can have any questions, inshallah. You can go to the slido.com and enter the code 1832190 or scan the QR code uh, for questions. Um, additionally, inshallah, ta'ala, we have our mm, uh, Sira conference, long awaited Sira conference tonight, uh, to this weekend, Friday after Salatul Isha, and then Saturday from Dhuhr until Isha. Alhamdulillah, we're doing something new this time around. We have a Sira bowl, Sira uh, uh, competition. And mashallah, we have we closed the registration today was the last day, so 200 and 200 participants mashallah registered 100 sisters 100 brothers alhamdulillah and they can have completely separate competitions uh, for age group sisters will have their own brothers will have their own and different age group as well so if you haven't registered but you want to come watch please come with your kids be here Saturday right after Dhuhr inshallah the competition will begin uh, we'll have our parallel adult you know normal programs going on. But the competition will be taking place somewhere else. They have about, what, how many questions? 400? Three, four hundred questions, I think so. I think so. There's a whole bunch of questions. Alhamdulillah. This is great our, you know, for, for our children, for our, even ourselves. If, uh, if you've registered for that, to prepare. And even if you haven't joined it, as I said, come and listen. And inshallah, be a great learning experience. This year's theme is going to be addressing something that we usually don't speak about which in most of our Sirak talks, is the 40 years before prophethood. The 40 years before prophethood. So we have some... Alhamdulillah, I want to go quickly over the, uh, the topics. Um, so obstacles of orphanhood, overcoming the challenges of childhood. Invasion of idolatry, corruption of the religion of Ibrahim salam, Ideology of ignorance, Perseverance of racism, pervasiveness of racism and tribal feuds. Property to partnership, the status of women before and after revelation. Perfect union, marriage to Sayyidina Khadija radiallahu anha. Precursors to the prophethood, supernatural events before revelation. And then the keynote will be establishing the exemplary community of Rasul in this day and age. And then uh, learning leadership, the Messenger وسلم, role in Hilful Fudul and the reconstruction of the Kaaba. Alhamdulillah, we have Mufti Abdul Sattar who's going to be delivering the Urdu talk after Aisha from Makki Masjid, Sheikh Hassan Ali from Makkah Center, Sheikh Radwan Ali from Islamic Center of Naperville, Mufti Zishan Ahmad from Masjid Uthman, Mulana Asfaruddin from Islamic Foundation North, Sheikh Nu'man Hussein from Islamic Foundation of Villa Park, Mulana Arif Kamal from Muslim Association of Bolingbrook, and Mufti Bin Haj and myself from Darussalam. So, this is this year, Alhamdulillah, we have all our local Imams who are going to be joining us. Uh, so I request all the community members who hear about this event, please do share this uh, far and wide and invite everyone to attend Friday after Isha, Saturday Dhuhr till after Isha. Second very important thing is the salawat 
uh, goal. We are trying to get our 25 million by then. If you have not done so anything, please pick up a card from outside. Take one, two cards. There are many cards outside. If you have already started, alhamdulillah, those of you who are out of state or are not here at the masjid and you would like to join, you can do so just by counting your salawat and then go to masjidds.org forward slash salawat and um, inshallah pledge whatever you've done, please add it up so we can have a collective inshallah goal uh, by Saturday of 25 million. Okay, so um, uh, one question is uh, How can we respond to those who claim our conservatives' views, views are too strict and harsh? Those who call us weird or backwards yet are Muslim. If that's what the prophets were told. Uh, they, they not only were uh, accused of all of this, but they also said, they also told them that, uh, we see that only the lowly class, Aravil, the lowly class, the uneducated, bad your right means those who have superficial sathi ilm Those who have who are very superficial in their knowledge. They're very simple people. They're the ones who follow you. Can you imagine that? They told Nuwana Salam. So nobody. Right? Aravilunna. They're the low class, poor people. And they're not very well educated, they're not very well thought out, they're not very philosophical, they're the ones who follow you. Allahu Akbar. Those very see the Sada people boarded the ark and the rest destroyed. So it's it is a badge of honor for people to call you see the Sada. Simple. You're a simpleton. That's what it is. It's a badge of honor. Right? And some people, as Mufti Taqis Abdaman Dwarkatim was saying, if someone calls you Dakyanus, someone says you're old school. He said, This is something you should be proud about. It's something you should be proud about when someone says you're old school. Don't get affected by that. Um, what are some effects a person faces in their life because of sins they committed? Well, there are many. One of them is loss of barakah and sustenance. Um, one is loss of enjoyment in ibadah. One is losing tawfiq and the ability to do good deeds. Right? Uh, being deprived of qiyamul layl. These are all um, uh, effects of sins. There are many. Uh, there's eight or nine that ulama have listed. Um, Mufti Taqi also has a talk on it. I think in 2007 I gave a talk on this. Might be somewhere online. But the evil effects of sins. There's eight or nine that have been mentioned. Um, how, do, how to share, how to teach a parent that not following a madhab is not a good idea? Interesting. Um, the idea is that basically, you know, one, one, one of one of my friends who's a lawyer, he said, you know, there's a lot of discussion about following madhab or not, but I just, from my profession, I learned the answer to this. I said, what is that? He said, if someone comes to court, and he says, oh, you know what? I don't need a lawyer. I got this. We know the gone. This guy not going to stand a chance. You cannot come into court and thinking you have it on your own. You have to have representation by a lawyer. We usually, usually see those mad people, you know, who, who, who are like mentally ill, they said, no, I got this. And he's killed a hundred people. And he says, no, I got it. I'm going to defend myself. So he says, in the court of dunya, you can't stand without having a lawyer with you. How are you going to stand in front of the court of Allah without having someone knowledgeable? Right? In front of the court of Allah. You have, to, you have to follow someone. Those who say they don't follow someone are lying. They're following someone. They're following someone. Now, the four schools of thought, when you have that, you are following not one individual, but you're following a very amazing, deep, rich, School that has got developed for hundreds of years, and you've got hundreds of ulama, thousands I would say, from past 
you know, 11 centuries who have continually worked on that uh, on the uh, um, axioms of that school of thought or on the principles of that school of thought and they have developed it in such an amazing manner that whatever situation you present there will be inshallah an answer that the muftis will be to give you based on the principles that have been laid down centuries ago but when a person doesn't follow that then he says well I'm going to follow what are you going to do? you're going to follow your local imam or you're going to follow a specific one individual so what's better? Either you follow one individual or you're following something that has a rich history of, that is backed by 11 to 12 centuries of scholarship. So it is very, taqlid, Mufti Allah Haq Dawud Barakatum, again our Ustad, he would give this example. He says, Bhai, jab hum airport jate hain, hum passport, ticket, konsi flight, you know, we don't know anything. Haat pakar lete hum, khadim ka, ya kisi ka, right? We just hold the hands of who is taking us and he takes us to the counter, sorts out everything, we don't even know what's happening. We go on a wheelchair till the flight, we sit in and off we go. He says, that's what you call taqlid. He says, I'm a muqallid. When I, if I try to go without a, someone who speaks English, he's saying, or someone who does, who, who's not there to help me, I'll be lost at the airport. You do taqlid. You say, I trust you because you know what you're doing. I close my eyes and you take me to it. That's what taqlid is about. When a person is putting his trust on a generations of ulama, that they know what they're speaking about when it comes to these issues. So this is a lengthy topic, but these simple, quick answers I've, I've shared with you, maybe it will be beneficial. Hal yajuzu salat sunnah wa salatul jama'ah qa'imah? Okay. When salatul jama'ah is taking place, can you pray your salatul sunnah? Alright? A question. So this is only allowed in salatul fajr. Okay? In the different, different schools of thought have different opinions there. But in the Hanafi school of thought, is, I'm answering from that. Salat sunnah of Salatul Fajr can be performed. However, it must not be performed in line with the Fard Salah. It should be performed in, for example, here we'd say in the lobby, in the side prayer hall, in a corner behind a pillar, somewhere else like that. So it doesn't seem like you are openly going against Mukhalafah of the Fard Salah. The Fard is happening and doing your own thing. This should only be done when you are certain that you will not miss the second rakah. If someone comes in so late, let's say towards the end of the first rakah, you know if you start off your sunnah, then definitely you're going to miss the ruku' of the second rakah. Then in that case, you should not pray your sunnah. In the Hanafi school, why is this mentioned here? Because after fard salah is performed, you cannot make qada of sunnah. The other schools of thought, they allow that. So that's why it's not a big deal. That you can just like pray soon afterwards. But according to the Hanafi school, once Fard Salah is performed, you cannot make Qada of it. Right? So the only instance that you can make Qada of Sunnah Fard of Fajr is if Allah forbids someone misses their Fard Fajr completely. And they wake up after sunrise. Then if they are making it up between sunrise and Salatul Dhuhr, before Zawal, before Dhuhr, then in that case they can pray their Sunnah and Fard. If they are making up Qada of Fajr after Dhuhr of that day, whether it's 10-year-old Fajr or today Fajr, but it's being made up after Fajr, after Dhuhr Salah, then in that case, only the Fard will be made up and not the Sunnah. I hope that's okay. Uh, is it okay to stay friends with someone who's part of the LGBTQ, but we're not aware of it until later? Well, once you're aware of it, then you need to move away. You know, that's the point. Once you're aware of it, uh, you, you, will be, uh, you need to move away from that. Um, how do you become disciplined so you don't let your desires take over? One great way of becoming disciplined is, is actually having a mentor and r- running everything through them and to ask them to help you. Like in everything from bodybuilding to sports 
we have coaches, we have mentors, all of that. So when it comes to the deen as well, it's very important that we have a mentor, that we get <clears throat> help. How can I get rid of my social media addiction? Very good question. The way to do that is you, you delete it. As if you're listening to me right now, you delete it. Once you delete it, then you go to, uh, you come to me, if you're here, or, or, you go, or somewhere else, go you know, some, get some help. And <clears throat> they are met, go to a friend and say, go to these settings. And you uh, block off the ability, you know, shut off the ability to download any more apps. And then you password protect that. So if someone has <clears throat> addiction to TikTok or, or, or Facebook, etc., delete those apps, Instagram, etc. And then put a lock and a password protected so you cannot re-download it once you get the desire to do so. The social media is, is, is the biggest addiction. It's a horrible what it does to a person. Um, please post a dua for the people of Lut. Yeah, so that was, we already mentioned that was... Huh? Su'ara Shu'ara, ayah number 69. 169 How, Having long term worldly goals is important How can we work towards those without letting goals consume us and stress out all the time Okay, so worldly goals is important, true But we have to also believe in the power of the, you know, taqdeer So you do tadbir and taqdeer Tadbir is planning, taqdeer is destiny So till the time, like if your exam is tomorrow at 8 o'clock Then you don't think about destiny you just work, work till 8 o'clock, tadbir. You work hard. And then after you go into the exam, it's done over now. It's all taqdeer. Right? So then you say, what I did as level best as I could, now whatever's happening is not my fault. Uh, right? I'm not going to blame myself for that. I, alhamdulillah, worked hard. But you cannot be thinking about taqdeer when you're working, because otherwise you say, let me go to sleep, whatever I'm going to get, I'm going to get. That's not the way to work. We work super hard as though we're, we, we control our grades. But once we enter that exam hall, you leave it up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So knowing how to balance tadbir and taqdeer is, is a very important, um, important aspect. Is it okay to let go of friends that stay away from the deen? 100% it's super important to stay away from company that is, uh, that is harmful. This is a big problem for us. That we, we attend tafsir session, hadith session, mashallah, other nice sessions, and then we go right back to our old friends. So when we're here, we do what's demanded from here. When we're there, we do what's demanded over there. And that's why we can't progress. We have to cut off. This is cancer. Those friends that are pulling us down are cancer. You need to be at a certain level to treat them. If you and I are not strong enough to help them, then we cannot, cannot stay in their company. We really, um, this is tough, but this is what is the biggest thing I think students need to understand. Um, if we follow a trustworthy scholar for something that is controversial, doubtful, even if it feels wrong, but they say it's right, do we not get, it? Do we not get any sin for it? Well, a person, istafti qalbak, ask the fatwa from your heart. Right? If someone who you trust, a great Molana, a great scholar, he says, that, that guy out there who's in the parking lot, he's saying, come, come to my backyard, I'll do an oil change for 10 bucks. You know, and he says, this guy's good. But you say, ah, I just, I got a Jaguar, I got a Porsche, I just, I don't feel it so it's nice with that. But Molana, he's such beautiful Isha Tilawa he had, man. I love Molana Sahib, he got such a nice voice. And he says, trust this guy. He says it. So what are you going to do? You say, mashallah, you know, I trust you is nice, but you know, but no thanks. I'd rather pay 50 bucks and go somewhere else than just randomly walk home with this person who says they'll come to my garage and do it for 10 bucks, right? So you ask your heart. So similarly, if your heart says some issue, controversial issue is doubtful, then why do you, at this time, this is not about trusting the scholar, this is about following your nafs. It's not an issue. Over there, your car might get clogged up or something, some might mess up. 
But over here it's about your deen, it's about Jannah and Jahannam, it's about the pleasure and the displeasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's very important that we don't fall into this trap to say, trustworthy scholar said something, I'm blindly, I'm just gonna follow it. No. F- stay, uh, t- take the route, don't take the route of fatwa, take the route of taqwa. If, especially when you feel that something is wrong, then stay away from it. Okay, there's a lot of good questions, but inshallah. Uh, We'll continue. Um, what, one, a- <clears throat> one aspect of just watching haram, etc. What, what, what are the, some steps that people can do? So same thing about it is that I said earlier is that the, 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 the sources of the sin of listening to haram, watching haram is a phone. Uh, we're wasting, wasting our time. One person, you know, uh, not one person, many people come and say, can you give a dua? And there are duas for that, there are dhikr for that. Etc. But a person who's alcoholic, you can give him all the duas. If he's alcoholic and he has three bottles of beer in front of him, it's not going to help. That's the problem. You have to remove that. All the duas in the world, but the phone is in your hand 24-7. How are you going to protect yourself from all these sins? There's no way around it. There's no way around it. You can do the seven seven vicars that I've spoken about in my previous tafsirs. They're very helpful for, for any type of thing, including this type of addiction. The seven uh, salawat, seven, seven times surah fatiha, seven times ayatul kursi, seven times quraysh, uh, seven times forqul, and seven times salawat at the end. Blowing it on the water and, and blowing on your body each time. Alhamdulillah, I've, you know, I've shared this with you that people have benefited tremendously from the dhikr for overcoming addictions. But besides that, you still have to t- t- separate yourself from your phone. Say for a few weeks, few weeks time, that a person you know, changes the phone from a smartphone to a, a normal phone. And, uh, they call it a dumb phone. I don't like to call it a dumb phone, but a, a phone that may make you smart. You know? So those type of things we need to do. What's so ajeeb? What's so, let me say this, there are not too many par- older, elderly parents sitting here, but maybe they're sitting at home. But I have ch- youth who come and say, I want to switch out of this phone. But how do I explain it to my parents? My parents are getting mad at me, screaming at me, saying, no, we need to contact you on WhatsApp and this and that, and why are you doing that? See, the parents don't understand also, that not everything needs to be spelled out, you should be able to read between the lines. Right? But that's a problem. Since we don't read between the lines, we've gotten ourselves in so many problems. Why is your son having to do this in the first place? You should have helped him in the first place. You should, have, you should never have allowed him to fall into this, or daughter too, not just son. Son or daughter fall into this position where they have become addicts. You understand what I'm saying? Now he's trying to help himself by saying, I need to keep away from the phone. And you say, no, you cannot. Okay, so he's not just trying to make life difficult for you. He's trying to protect himself from haram. So all those dads and moms who are hearing me, please understand that don't wait for your son, daughter to come to you. You yourself should provide this as a solution. To say, hey, you know what? How about try downgrading to a, a, a non-smartphone? We'll go to, through the good old message of method of texting or calling. You know, that can keep a, keep a person away from all sorts of sin. May Allah keep us and our youth and our children and our communities and our generations away from, from the filth of the internet. And may He give us the strength to remain firm. Ameen Rabbil Alameen. Let's do some dhikr, inshallah. لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا إله إلا الله 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 لا إله 
محمد رسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم صلی اللہ علی محمد 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 صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم صلی اللہ اللہ علی محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم صلی 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 اللہ علی محمد صلی اللہ عليه وسلم استغفر الله 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 الذي لا اله الا هو الحي القيوم واتوب اليه بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم انت السلام انك السلام وتبارك الذي الجلال والاكرام اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك انت كما اثنيت على نفسك اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث يا احد الصمد الذي لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا احد ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم ربنا اغفر لنا ذنوبنا واسرافنا في امرنا وثبت اقدامنا وانصرنا على قوم الكافرين ربنا اتنا في الدنيا حسنه وفي الاخره حسنه وقنا عذاب النار ربنا هب لنا من ازواجنا وذرياتنا قره اعين واجعلنا المتقين اماما ربنا اغفر لنا ولوالدينا ولاساتذتنا ولمشايخنا ولمن حقه علينا ولمن اوصانا بالدعاء 
اللهم انا نسالك التقوى والتقى تقوى والتقى والعفاف والغنى والعفاف والغنى اللهم انا نسالك رضاك والجنه وما قرب اليها من قول او عمل ونعوذ بك من سخطك والنار وما قرب اليها من قول او عمل اللهم اجعلنا من الذين يستمعون القول فيتبعون احسنه اللهم انا نسالك علما نافعا ورزقا واسعا وشفاء من كل داء اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابداننا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من القول والعمل والنيه والهدى انك على كل شيء قدير اللهم اجنبنا الفواحش ما ظهر منها وما بطن اللهم اجنبنا الفواحش ما ظهر منها وما بطن اللهم اجنبنا الفواحش ما ظهر منها وما بطن اللهم انا نعوذ بك من من قلب لا يخشع ومن عين لا تدمع ومن نفس لا تشبع اللهم يا حي يا قيوم اغفر لنا وللمؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات الاحياء من هو الاموات انك سميع قريب مجيب الدعوات اللهم اشف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين اللهم اشفهم شفاء كاملا دائما عاجل مستمرا نسال الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم يشفي مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين امين please enjoy the snacks and the tea may Allah reward the students and the volunteers and the sponsors for the snacks and may he make it a means of barakah in their lives assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh